On this episode of Where is the Love, we're going to talk about a Rolling Stone article that came out this past week about religious evangelical influence in the Supreme Court. We'll also talk about a funny, really interesting Substack article by Kyla Scanlon uh, about vibes. And we'll, we'll unpack that. This is Where is the Love? This is Where's the Love? I'm Michael Ware. I'm Melissa Ware. And uh, we're here for another episode after a busy week on the Substack. We uh, obviously, Faith in the News, a robust Faith in the News uh, this week, a lot going on. Uh, political brief, a lot of interesting news. Melissa, you used to work for the British Council. A lot of UK news, uh, a lot of news in uh, in uh, British politics this week. Very uh, Britishy. Boris Johnson is out. He's out. Uh, you know, in my, you know, I I have the luxury of somewhat uh, not taking British British politics all too seriously, or at least reserving a bit of space. Uh, for British politics to be uh, a little fun. You know that uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson won me over um, when when, uh, when Macron was upset over the nuclear submarine. Uh, <laughs> over the nuclear submarine uh, deal. We won't go into all the details. Boris Johnson was in the U.S. and outside <laughs> outside the embassy. He told reporters that Macron should do, donate-moi un break. <laughs> Which is, I was like, oh, you know, this Honestly, guy. Honestly, I think you could take out Boris Johnson and put in any British leader saying that to Macron, and I feel like you could. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. A hundred percent. We, we uh, just like a little bit of an ethering of... Except for Corbyn. I don't think Corbyn could do... I mean, no. the guy just lost too often. Um, uh, so, so, but Boris Johnson is is out. And that is, on a serious note, uh, uh, really significant. I should say, Boris Johnson announced that he will resign. It's unclear how long he'll stay in office. There's increasing pressure as additional news has trickled out even since Boris Johnson announced that he would resign that has ratcheted up pressure for him to leave sooner rather than later. Uh, but I think, Melissa, we'll talk about this on a future episode. I think this uh, is probably the most significant opportunity Labor has had uh, to, to, to win um, in, a, in a very long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, since, since Miliband. Uh, and honestly, you know, Ed didn't give him that great of a chance. Um, uh, uh, so that was significant news. Uh, uh, did some writing on uh, Dobbs, which a lot of folks read, got a lot of response to that. Uh, there may be more on that this week. I think it's been interesting to see how things have played out this week. 
what actions have been taken, what actions have not been taken, what it suggests about the state of play. Uh, we won't sort of dive into that in this episode, um, but you could read what I had to, to share uh, at reclaiminghope.substack.com. And we're thankful for new subscribers. You just uh, have a bunch of new folks uh, reading the newsletter this week and signing up. And if you're listening to the podcast, uh, know that your support is uh, greatly appreciated. It allows us to, to do this work and, and you're supporting it uh, by, uh, being, by listening to the show. Uh, but for those of you who are uh, paid subscribers uh, through that as well. Uh, Melissa, we have uh, quite a bit we want to get to in this episode. I think the, the first thing I want to talk about was this Rolling Stone article uh, headline SCOTUS justices prayed with uh, her, then cited her bosses to end Roe. Uh, and it's about Peggy Mee Neighbor, um, who, uh, vice president of Faith and Liberty Evangelical Group. But for those of us who have been in the space for a while, Peggy's been in a number of different uh, uh, positions within sort of religious rights, uh, right-wing political pro-life movement roles for, for decades. Um, the, the article describes, I mean, so, so the article frames this up as uh, this shadowy sort of religious right evangelical group was praying for years with uh, sitting justices inside the high court uh, the story was prompted by a remark caught on a hot mic uh, with uh, Peggy claiming that uh, her group was the only one uh, to be praying with sitting justices inside the high court. Uh, there have been a number of articles, principally this Rolling Stone article, but Political also had a piece out that have sort of expounded on on what that is, what it looks like, and it, it, the, the the article, really all the reporting on this subject, I think, offers things that are of public value, of understanding how politics works, of understanding the various kinds of pressure and the various kinds of uh, influence that uh, that groups try to uh, try to employ to advance their interests. Um, the article does have some some eyebrow raising uh, eyebrow raising moments. Um, for instance, and this was a line that was sent around pretty uh, pr pretty pretty broadly among at least on Christian Twitter as like a what. Um, let me let me read from the article here. Um, uh, to pray with the justices was to perform a sort of quote spiritual conditioning. Shanks explains, and we'll explain who Shank is. Uh, the intention all along 
was to embolden the conservative justices by loaning them a kind of spiritual moral support to give them an assurance that not only was there a large number of people behind them, but in fact, there was divine support for very strong and unapologetic opinions from them. Uh, end quote. This is, the, this is the reporter now writing, Prayer is a powerful communication tool in the evangelical tradition. The speaker assumes the mantle of the divine, and to disagree with an offered prayer is akin to sin. Melissa, is that how you've conventionally thought of the prayer of any bozo that you happen to be in vicinity of hearing? No, I do not think of them as the divine when they're opening their mouth to pray. Okay. Uh, Yeah, there are two points I want to make in relation to this article. The first is sort of uh, two Christians and sort of as Christians. Uh, We talk a bit on this podcast about ultimatizing the penultimate or, or, or sort of uh, uh, making a dogma of our politics. And this is like a, a really helpful thing to sort of bring that conversation back into view, which is the, the express motivation uh, of uh, prayer, of prayer, prayer was leveraged uh, not to hear from God, um, but to advance a specific agenda. And that's something you just need to be really care, uh, really careful about. And there are all kinds of interesting lines here that maybe if you're too quick to make judgment, uh, cast judgment in this case, you might miss in others, and frankly, I'm not sure where all the lines are, uh, is a vigil that's connected to uh, connected to a tragedy that has some policy implications. Uh, where does that fall on the spectrum? Uh, but it is a conversation we need to be we need to be having, and this this does bring bring that into focus. As Christians, we want to be sure um, that we're not sort of uh, using uh, spiritual practices or the idea of spiritual practices or religious language uh, simply to sort of get our way or advance ourselves or, or our interests. So that's the first thing. The second point I want to make is... Though this article doesn't offer much context, um, influence in Washington, influence in politics, and the way advocacy groups work generally, all kinds of things are on the table uh, or or are used to gain uh, access, family, interests, various kinds of connections and chits that can be offered. Uh, and so to sort of, this article is about one, one subject. This is, this is an article prompted by a hot mic moment. What I, what I didn't appreciate um, 
maybe not even so much in the article itself. Again, I guess one article can't cover everything. Although I do think there could have been a nod to a fact that it's not that this was, it's not that this group was the only one meeting with Supreme Court justices. Uh, It's not that they were exceptional in that way. Like, Like so much that happens in politics, the critique to make, of Christian the, the the Christian involvement in politics exemplified here uh, is not that it's exceptional, it's that it's ordinary. That there's actually not you take take out the 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 prayer piece. Uh, there's not this group was using whatever sort of uh, ask it could have at its disposal to try and get close to power and influence it. And that happens, uh, that's the norm. And so, you know, I just, I just, you know, I, I, every Supreme Court justice, uh, every elected official is, uh, is having, uh, off hours to, maybe I don't want to say every. Let me let me just say, based on my experience in D.C., sitting officials, whether it's Supreme Court justices or uh, elected officials or uh, policymakers, you know, unelected policymakers, they're they're not just having on the record business meetings with advocates. So often, the heads of these advocacy groups are the folks who are at their kids' weddings. Uh, They're close friends. They are, whether it's prayer or whether it's uh, 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 taking vacations together or grabbing drinks, uh, there is certainly a broader critique to be made here about what kinds of the ways in which social relationships influence the political process. Uh, I would like to see uh, uh, reporting on that and for folks talking about that as opposed to what I saw on social media and and really like the vibe of, we're going to talk about vibes later, but the vibe of this article, which was was, uh, that it was just sort of like unbelievable that this advocacy group had access to uh to supreme court justices no a a lot of a lot of groups they they exist to find ways whether through professional sort of channels or through anything else to get close to power and to influence it and so there's a concern on the christian side about the way that religion uh, is being leveraged and misused and degraded on the Christian side. On the political side, uh, this is one case out of many and one tactic out of many that are used for the same purposes uh, in this, in the same spirit, uh, in the same general spirit, which is influence power, uh, and so would love for folks to be 
thinking about that. Melissa, any any thoughts from you on this article? Those are all those are all really great points from you. I guess I'm still stuck on some of the lines in this article where you you've kind of already said it, but just to reiterate it here, um, it's really important that if a reporter is assigned something in the religion beat that they actually um, try to under, understand it a bit better. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, th- this was, I've said before, I think this is something of a golden age of journalism for, sure. for religion. Yes. There are so many good examples. Absolutely. But this was a bit of a throwback uh, in the sense that, uh, yeah, you got the sense from the authors that they were, it was written from the perspective of, wow, these people are weird. <laughs> you know, and like, uh uh, and then just some uh, some claims were made uh, that just uh, uh, don't match uh, don't match reality. But so interesting Rolling Stone uh, Rolling Stone article, and obviously you know this and so much else of the reporting and the commentary is all a working out of. Of, of, of Dobbs and people responding yeah. to Dobbs and people uh, mm-hmm. sort of trying to influence what the aftermath of Dobbs looks like. And so like a story that, I mean, right, like a lot of what I saw was, uh, look, like this is another way they, the, uh, the right-wing evangelicals game the system like Have improperly. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's like, uh, a lot of people have their claws. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 yes. Uh, but this seemed to advance a particular sort of uh, narrative to really delegitimize the decision, which is like, oh, this was this was motivated by prayer, not by like a judicial ruling. Um, and again, there's just like more more to the story there. If there was reporting on uh, many decisions that are made in Washington and uh, connections that decision makers have with folks who have a point of view on those subjects, uh, you could make, uh, you, you, you could sort of tell a narrative about anything that happens. I'm someone who tends to think actually like decision makers, social relationships and who they um are actually just reaffirmations of who they are anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, yes. like, oh, okay, Clarence Thomas was praying with a religious conservative. Well, Clarence Thomas is already a religious conservative. Like, you know, like, like the, the, the real story would be like, you know, if, if uh, you know, if, if these groups, you know, converted, uh, some, you know, Supreme Court justice while they were on the bench, you know, like yeah. um, that wasn't happening. The story says it was actually, uh, you know, it was Alito, Roberts. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Alito, Thomas uh, and uh, I think Scalia was mentioned. Um, uh, it's like, OK, those are like exactly the the kinds of people that you would expect to be praying with a conservative religious advocacy group. I don't think there was a whole lot of like uh, changing of minds that was happening uh, in those settings. But 
I- I- interesting article. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, uh, we're going to get back to the topic of vibes. This is Where is the Love? we're back this is where is the love melissa you found this uh substack article that was both informative and fun kind of like you uh uh uh, break it down for us what is what is kyla getting at here yeah you're gonna see this article in our top five this week just because um I actually haven't seen an economics explainer article, especially a macroeconomics explainer article, as funny and simple as this one. It's kind of like macroecon 101, um, but it's explaining uh, something that's going on in behavioral economics or um, consumer sentiment or consumer confidence that is really interesting right now when we're talking about the recession. And if you are a subscriber to the newsletter, you'll see that for the past, what, I don't know, seven or eight weeks now, I've been including various analysts and articles talking about, is there going to be a recession? Maybe there won't be a recession. Here's how we can avoid it. Or uh, one of the latest ones is, you know, a recession is not inevitable. That's being touted by a lot of policymakers right now, who I think are trying to stem the uh, consumer tide. But this article talks about how vibes play into um, into GDP, into... Melissa, can you define vibes? <laughs> They're basically feelings, um, emotions. Um, if you've ever read any... And, and like, like, like a, a sense. A sense, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've ever read John Maynard Keynes, uh, which I have... <laughs> <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> I've, uh, I've read I've read all of the major economic thinkers you can think of. I've read Marx. I've read Polanyi. I've read Hayek. I've read Smith. I've read Ricardo. I've read them all. Um, but John Maynard Keynes. Less of a humble brag, but okay. Yeah, continue. <laughs> uh, yeah. Part, part of my brain and soul flew away when I had to do that. Um, but Keynes talks a lot about um, animal spirits and consumer confidence um, he talked a lot about speculation in the market, basically a lot of behavioral economics and emotions and how much emotions play into um, business cycles. Um, whereas a lot of previous singers before him sort of cut those, didn't talk about those kinds of things. Um, and that the, a lot, you know, there was a lot more rationality going on. But um, I want to take this article about the vibe session that we might be experiencing right now and extrapolate it out into some... Things I've been noticing culturally and socially happening a lot right now that is um, not scaring me, but making me deeply concerned when it comes to the fact that we've talked about polarization, pernicious polarization on this podcast. We talk about it in the the newsletter quite a bit. I want to talk about cynicism and uh, attitudes towards America itself as an idea and all of America's national myths and the sort of doubt and cynicism happening around that right now that I think is really dangerous for democracy and something that I don't see too many people talking about as a sort of giant facet 
uh, facet of polarization. We talk a lot about how ideology and politics right now is really driving people and how they think and operate and relate to one another, where they end up moving to, who they work with, um, who they interact with online and that kind of thing. But I think a lot of it is actually stemming from feelings and emotions. So anyways, back to this article, just to go, just go through it a little bit, but a vibe session is different. <laughs> And, and it's not a, like a session, S-E-S-S-I-O-N. It's not like having a vibe, like a, like a, a, a meeting of the vibes. It's like a, like a recession. So like, yeah, like a, a recession, like yeah. an economic recession. But it's called, Kyla, the author of this newsletter, um, is calling it a vibe session or a period of temporary vibe decline. Where, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. We're laughing because this is because you'll see uh, this subject is so brilliantly written. She's really funny and it sounds really funny, but it's again no, it's very serious serious. ideas. But But, a vibe session is a period of temporary vibe decline where economic data such as trade and industrial activity are relatively okayish, but the vibes are not. The vibes are not immaculate right now. (laughs) Um, And so it's it's a it's a long article, but um, she talks about the interpretation of reality and truth by consumers. Um, and uh, this thing called consumer sentiment, which consumer sentiment is made out of two things, how you feel as an individual and how you think everyone else feels or the vibes that you're, you know, currently like marinating in. Um, so, you know, what, for the last eight weeks, as I'm saying, there's been a lot of talk of recession in the media, written podcast, TV media, I mean, all forms of media. And... Uh, that talk is actually starting to hit consumer sentiment because people are starting to feel like, hmm, maybe I should tamp down my spending a little bit because there's a recession coming and I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. And it seems like everybody else around me, you know, looking around me, it seems like everybody's talking about this being that it's coming. We don't know when. And again, Kyla at the beginning of this kind of says, we're kind of just sort of crap like it's just a crap shoot right now we literally have no idea if a recession is coming but it's being talked about enough to lead to a vibe session where um like she's saying in here there's a lot of economic indicators right now that are still extremely strong i mean one of them that's not mentioned is unemployment the unemployment rate um the amount of jobs added to the economy um we're now back to pre-covid really good jobs report just on friday yeah we're back to pre-covid numbers so the labor market is you know looking just a okay um in 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 terms of employment yeah yeah, in terms of employment um and uh spending is actually still quite high but attitudes are are starting to turn um and so what does this do because consumer spending goes uh, the gdp is uh, like two-thirds of the gdp is made up of like consumer spending um individuals americans like we we determine a lot of the economy. So when a lot of Americans are collectively feeling like, oh, this is going to go, this is going to turn bad, that's not a good thing. And that is part of why um, this vibe session and like in terms of like these business cycles at a time of high inflation as well and a supply chain crunch. So a supply issue, demand has been way too high and supply has been way too low. What happens when supply is way too low and suddenly people start tamping down their demand? Um, so the, it's just a very good article. We are, it looks like we're experiencing, experiencing a vibe session right now, but to go back to like these like broader points that I want to talk about with you, Michael, I don't know if you've been, 
since 2016, it feels like cynicism has jumped um, as well as, you know, polarization largely jumping. I know that there are a lot of there are a lot of polls you can go back a decade, two decades, three decades, and there's been an American cynicism towards politicians, towards Congress for a long time. Like, you know, there's something usually, you know, there's usually something there when it comes to, like, cynicism. But what I'm talking about, what I'm seeing a lot lately is um, people, because they have so much access to information and it feels like it's crisis after crisis, you, I'm hearing a lot of people saying, it feels like everything's falling apart. It feels like nothing is going right. It feels like everything is a mess. Um, it feels like all these things I was taught when I was little are in fact not true about America, about America being exceptional or about America being the world's you know, only superpower. How can we be the only superpower when you know children are being shot and killed at school or put, put any like, yeah. major issue into that or you know, uh, the housing crisis and people can't afford food, like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I feel like I'm seeing that over and over again across all kinds of social media platforms, so not just a single social media platform. In real life, talking to people, um, even if you're just like sort of chatting with someone you're working with over Zoom before the meeting actually starts, or you know, you're out with somebody for a drink, or you're talking with a friend or your aunt, it feels like this kind of attitude is really pervasive right now, I feel. Um, and that kind of attitude. I've been trying to think back of, you know, what I've read in the history books of various different periods, like looking back at the 70s, because everybody's talking about the 70s right now, about how economically it seems like we're in the 70s, socially and culturally it feels like we're in the 70s. So I'm, I, I've been trying to read up, like, was there this same kind of sense around America as a democracy that we're a failed, I mean, I'm even reading people say we're a failed state, we're, you know... Yeah, sure. Uh, why is Europe so much better? Why uh, I'm looking into moving to Europe? You know, what are the visas like? I'm reading an enormous amount of people, and again, um, sentiments like this. And when you're online and constantly hyper connected like this, you get a contagion, and it feels like potentially that might be one of the sort of like fuels to all this is just the onlineness of these types of sentiments and just causing a bit of contagion around it. Because again, like what um, Kyla was referencing in here, that consumer sentiment is not just how you feel, it's about how you think everyone else feels. It's the perception, not just the reality. Um, what are your yeah. thoughts towards this? No, it's super interesting. I mean, I hadn't thought about this before, but... Um, you know, you mentioned the 70s, and of course, like, the, the Vietnam War was the first war, I believe, to, like, um, get, get like, network TV news coverage. Like, yeah. Um, like, it was the first war that, like, you know, you had, you know, Walter Cronkite on TV, you know, like, yes. that kind of thing. And so I, I am wondering, you know, I haven't, I wouldn't want to, like, put this forward as like, you know, sort of my theory, but I, I am I am wondering if there's a connection between sort of development of new 
modes or the proliferation of a, of a new mode of or style of the way news is communicated mm-hmm. and distributed uh, and people's like shifting perceptions that like the world is changing, like yeah. nothing is like what it used to be, yes. um, which, uh, you know, can be as much a interpretation of the way they're interacting with the news mm-hmm. and the way the news is communicated is like what the what the news is itself. Now, of course, you know, like uh, Watergate happened. That was yeah. a real thing. And obviously the way that news reported on that influenced how it was. But but there was like a real substantive uh, uh, thing there that just um, that that. That that was real, and that drove distrust, uh, as did as did the Vietnam War, as did so much of what we're seeing right now. So it is. I mean, there's a there's a, um, and maybe we'll even, if we can, uh, paste the image in the top five. There's an image in this Substack article that I thought was really helpful, um, showing. Uh, yes, exactly right. Showing um, <laughs> it's sort of like a graph of the vibe session <laughs> and the way the way in which vibes are a part of reality. Yes, that's like that's a super interesting insight and thing to thing to think about. And, and here here's the point that here's the major thought I had as you were talking, which is. There's such a part of me, and I talk about this sometimes, that, um, you know, politics is limited and ought to be uh, ought to be limited. I think um, a politics which saturates uh, everything can be destructive. But but part of what we're seeing, and part of the way we're Part of the reason, like, why we're thinking about what political leadership looks like is because of this recognition that we have, whether it's understated or overstated, but this recognition we have, which is exactly what you which is that so much of the hard facts of how things go, of whether we have, uh, whether uh, consumer purchases go down or up, uh, whether uh, whether the labor market is strong is not just the result of uh, uh, sort of scientific mm-hmm. economic levers, mm-hmm. but is a result of how people are feeling, what is sort of the state of the culture around them and the the lives that they're living. And, and so politicians then have to... T- you know they're all, they have the they're they're sort of um, held responsible for things like the labor market or or mm-hmm. the GDP, uh, but but uh, and and we hold them responsible, thinking that well there must be just a a, a policy a policy tweak that they. Mm-hmm. Uh, a policy agenda that would fix this problem. But the reality is, is that it's sort of policy plus. Like if, if a president is, uh, uh, if a, if a president is uh, indifferent towards uh, 
the cultural elements of politics, then the policy may will not be able to overcome or may not be able to overcome those cultural the, the vibes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, and so I, I find that to be you know really interesting. And I think that's what I mean. I think that's what President Biden is absolutely facing right now and why I think we've been getting some kind of insider accounts of the frustration constantly right. of, them, of the White House feeling like they're not getting the kudos that they should be getting, they're not getting the the um, the positive vibes that they should be getting or the celebration or like the um, a longer positive fallout yes. from whatever policy victory they've recently gotten. Because... The list is actually quite long of yes. various bipartisan things they've gotten done to more, you know, obviously party line things that they've gotten done. It's like really long and you would not know yeah. if you looked at the media, if you as an average American. And like we're hearing a lot of stories about how frustrated they are. And it seem and this is why I'm bringing this up, because it feels like this type of cynical vibe is so strong right now It that people, I mean, can't even celebrate anything because they're too busy being angry or outraged or lamenting or being sad about you know the latest thing and then the next day they're throwing another news curveball kind of thing yeah i mean because we were never really meant to consume this much information at one time i believe i i just unless somebody can come to me and prove to me that that the human brain can in fact actually handle you know a crisis that it like which it can't um and so uh I want to say that, and I think that's part of why they've been so frustrated is because of this strange, I don't want to call it a phenomenon because that makes it unique to the times. And I don't, I, I find it hard to believe that exactly what's going on is unique to the times. Um, but might be the sort of um, anomaly. No, not anomaly wouldn't even be, I'll have to think about the word. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'll get back to you all. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to point out as well is I included in the top five last week another Substack post, but this was on cultural pop culture, um, pop culture regression, um, and how pop culture right now is completely regressive. It's completely nostalgic. That songs, TV shows, movies are all remakes right now. Um, there's no new real ideas, and anytime there is, it's like a huge, a huge deal, a huge thing, or becomes hugely popular because everything else is kind of like a rehash of something that has you know been made before and it's not surprising that at a time like this when everybody is feeling so embattled and cynical and like it's quicksand underneath their feet for everything that they felt like they thought they knew and that times used to be better they're that we are all looking for nostalgia that we're looking for comfort through things that are familiar and since pop culture is obviously such just a huge part of people's you know uh ways of life and meaning making it's just really not surprising that everything is nostalgia based right now yeah no no it's super interesting i I really hope folks uh i I think folks will will enjoy uh checking out the vibe uh, session checking out the vibe session uh (laughs) melissa yeah before we go you're giving me a cheshire cat smile uh there's a video I want you to watch. Okay. You have you have not seen this before. This is live on the air reaction. Okay. Uh, you're gonna experience this for the first time along with uh, along with our listeners. Okay. Is this a TikTok or? A- uh, this is this is a 
a TikTok. Okay. Although I have suspicions it was probably posted across multiple platforms. But here, okay. let, let's just let's just watch the video together. Okay. How many likes does it take to get to the Melissa, describe to the people what you saw. Okay. It is um, what I'm pres- it is a couple, a uh, man and a woman, and the wife is sitting behind the guy, and <laughs> he has a popsicle in his hand, and she tells him to start eating it, and he starts to bite into it, and there seems to be something in the middle. And by the second bite, I could see that it was definitely 100% a pregnancy test. And it takes him quite a while to get down to the part where it shows like the like line the plus I don't know what kind I don't know what kind that is the plus sign, and then it's um them looking at each other extremely uh, surprised and happy and by extremely surprised and happy um in no, a very you skipped way. over you skipped over way too much which is th- this is she she is berating him to, to eat this popsicle faster there, there's a there's a point there's a point where she goes you just gotta get a little bit more and then he'll be able to see it. and he goes i'm trying <laughs> <laughs> grown man i mean this, the, this this couple this is not like a uh, young twenty couple. No, no they, they look like these are these are grown adults. Maybe, I don't know. And, and she is peering over his shoulder as he is trying. He definitely has brain freeze. Uh, uh, I thought he broke his. I thought this was going to be he was breaking his teeth. No. And then I realized by the second bite, I'm like, oh no, that's a pregnancy test. And I'm like, I mean, the popsicle is going to get up all up in that pregnancy test. He's not going to be able to read a dang thing about it. Um. <laughs> But anyways, uh, no, I'm trying because uh, pe- people uh, are commenting, uh, of course, about the fact that a pregnancy test is something that you pee on. Uh, yeah. And no, immediately. So, That's why I was saying, oh, no, if you heard me in the background, because I'm like, that man is currently licking her pee. <laughs> I mean, maybe she, maybe she. No, but yeah, no, just this is no not a good idea. I mean, I assume it's positive and that's why she's doing this. So congratulations to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean that's great. I mean yeah. I mean that's great. It's wonderful news for them. Wonderful. The, yeah. The, the execution is um Yeah, I'm judging. He's just looking at <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, so I saw that today. I thought it would be worth worth uh sharing with you. All right, folks. That's all we have for this episode of Where is the Love? Uh 
We'll be back with you next week. Thanks for listening. Don't put pregnancy announcements in pop schools, people. That's the moral. That's a moral of, of this episode. That's, yeah, that's all I have to say. Bye. So oh.